Now for no. Lesnar! Yes! Oh, oh Brock got a escape by Brock! Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh! And an F5 for Biggie! He lands head first! That's it! Here's your winner! day one this being day one of the year 2022 happy new year everyone i'm boris and i am joined by matt bonjour how's everybody doing out there we hope you're doing well boris it was a weird show this wwe day one it wasn't bad nothing very uh you know, super memorable really happening on this one other than the world championship switching hands. Uh, you know, it was a, it was an okay show. It was kind of just there, but we'll talk about it. We'll bring you up to speed. How you doing this uh, this fine evening, homie? I'm doing pretty good. Honestly, I'm, I'm quite tired at this point. It's been a hell of a long day. Uh, we, we've recorded. This is now our second podcast of the day. Uh, check out BAM. Whatever feed you're on, you can listen to Bam as Matt and I roll through the top 121 matches of 2021. And that was a lot of fun. Um, And now, you know, had a bit of a uh, downtime, did some stuff, got caught up on some errands, uh, you know, did my thing. And then uh, sat down, watched some WWE Day 1. And uh, here we are, man. So it's been a pretty full day, to say the least. Uh, I'm not quite sure how I feel about Saturday pay-per-views. Let me tell you that. Yeah, it's a gift and a curse, you know. Like I don't mind the Saturday show. It's a, it's an easy. This is an easily skippable show. This day one, like not just in content, but obviously people have a lot on the go on this day, you know. So I assume a lot of people missed this one. And uh, believe me, you don't really have to go back and catch it unless you are a Brock Lesnar apologist. I don't mind the Saturday shows, but. Uh, at the same time, Boris, like I, I often have way more plans on Saturday than I do Sunday. So it makes them more skippable. It really does. So I I don't know. Gift and a curse, these Saturday shows. Exactly. But hey, you and I better get used to them because I think we are going to uh, to be uh, doing some more Saturday shows moving forward. Royal Rumble is on a Saturday as well. And that's going to be Saturday uh, January the 29th so you know that's the next time that uh, we are coming to you um, and it will in fact be a full-on after party uh, you know with 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 a subset of the crew um, and that's going to be a lot of fun but yeah chatting all things day one tonight I think you know your assessment right off the top I have to agree with you it was kind of a meh show a skippable show um you know but uh it it, it wasn't a bad show the in-ring was okay but i you know i i kind of feel like uh some people were a little tired you know a little little slow moving on the legs a little slow moving in general um with with some of the competitors tonight Absolutely. And and, I mean, it was kind of booked on the fly because the two biggest matches, the two matches anyway, that I personally was most excited about. And I feel like the Internet, most wrestling fans were most excited about was Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. And even more so the Intercontinental title match for Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And we got neither of those on this show. So obviously that hurt it a lot. They kind of went by the seat of their pants. It felt like a couple matches got way more time than they wanted. And then they reached the end of the show and realized they didn't have enough time for the main event because uh felt like they really wanted to get out uh, at like 10.45, 10.50. That kind of seems like the pattern nowadays. They want to get out with like 10 to 15 minutes left before that 11 o'clock hour to really hammer home some more ads on Peacock. So... I don't know, man. It's uh, It was an okay show, but yeah, definitely skippable. There were some good things. We're going to sift through it and tell you all about it. 
Exactly. So like you mentioned, there were two matches that were off the card. Uh, the first one being Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Probably the match that most, a lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans were looking forward to. The buildup has been incredible. The Paul Heyman stuff has been awesome. And, you know, this is a match. Like, I feel like Brock Lesnar has re has found himself again. He seems to be uh, looking really good he's talking well he's presenting himself well and the fans are actually 100 percent behind him uh so uh you know un unfortunately at 5 58 p.m a tweet was sent out roman reigns has tested positive for covid19 as a result he won't be competing tonight at the ww pay-per-view and that was from ariel helwani right at 4 5 58 and then shortly thereafter at 6 p.m it was confirmed by wwe and um you know he roman reigns was taken off the card and brock lesnar inserted into the wwe heavyweight championship match which was already a four-person match so let's just add someone else and voila that is your new main event um so so you know so that was that and then like you also mentioned the ic title belt the shinsuke nakamura versus Sami Zayn. a i think the match that most wrestling fans were looking forward to just didn't happen no reason given it just was not on the card it just didn't show up yeah, absolutely. And that was a blow. And I mean, I get why they have to tell us about Roman Reigns, but I'm impressed they even did that much because this this company will flagrantly false advertise to you gleefully smiling in your face while they lie. So it was nice of them. But yeah, they didn't give us any explanation for Shinsuke versus Sammy, which did hurt the show overall. But uh uh, what what can we do? It is 2022. We're going to have to continue to just deal with uh, these COVID uh, dropouts when and if they come. But we did get a pretty entertaining main event out of it. Although it would have been a lot better if they took five minutes off, say, the Edge versus Miz match and threw it into that main event. Exactly. We're going to get into all of that very soon. Uh, we're going to run down the entire show, the pre-show, uh, and then the actual pay-per-view card. And we're going to rate each match because that's what Matt and I do. We love to rate matches, uh, but, you know, we do not rate them with stars we're done with that because we are the young guns uh so we kind of like to um you know change things up have a rating have a rating the jewel uh something that reflects something that stood out in the night but unfortunately matt today's show was just just an average show at best so we kind of struggled trying to figure out what we're going to use as our rating system yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, the thing we're going to take away from this show was Brock Lesnar. As you said, he actually cut a good promo on this show, too. I saw a couple people, our own Mark Andrada pointed out on Facebook, might have been Brock's best wrestling promo. He's had a couple better UFC promos. He's had, you know, he does he does a good job when he's uh, allowed to speak from uh, from his heart. You know what I mean? And it kind of seems like it's Brock Lesnar really not giving, uh, giving much of a shit and doing his own thing. So to celebrate new WWE champion Brock Lesnar, we're going to go beasts out of five on this edition of uh, SNME Radio here on this day one review. Yep, so everything is going to be on the beast scale, and we might have to revisit our Mendoza line, but that will happen in just a little <laughs> yes. bit. So WWE Day 1 kickoff show started off with Kayla Braxton hosting the show. She was joined by the panel of Kevin Patrick, Booker T., JBL and Peter Rosenberg from their usual uh, spot. Uh, they immediately kick things off, addressing the change to the card caused by Roman Reigns testing positive for COVID-19, which leads to Brock Lesnar being added to the WWE Championship match. Uh, the panel ran through the rest of the lineup um, uh, and, and, and you know, everything that was advertised, at least, um, and, and this new card. Uh, then a we got a video package uh, on the Edge versus Miz match. The Miz crashed the panel's desk, spoke about his match with Edge, because in every kickoff panel, someone needs to do the crashing. This time it was the Miz. Um, nothing nothing really ex extraordinary, nothing to really report here. Uh, we'll just keep uh, uh, powering through. Uh, so Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan match for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship was also spotlighted in a video package. And, you know, the unfortunate part here, and this is kind of why I hate watching the pre-shows, 
and that's because more often than not, 9 out of 10 times, the video package that they aired to hype a match is going to be the video package that hypes the match. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always even tough to talk about it, but yeah, so I, I think the, the proper way to watch these pre-shows is to catch the match, and if you're really, really super into The Miz, like you said, you know that someone's going to crash the panel, and probably seven times out of ten, it's going to be The Miz crashing the panel, so you can catch the monthly Miz promo, and uh, that's pretty much all you need. Exactly. All right, Sonya Deville joined the panel. She spoke about the Lynch versus Morgan match. She also kind of uh, played innocent and uh, talking about her issues with Naomi. Uh, then we probably went to the best, arguably, best or second best part of the pre-show. And that was King Woods and Kofi Kingston. They were interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. Uh, Woods declared that New Year's Day will now be known as New Day Day. I actually like these, uh, the King Woods and Sir Kofi act, the right hand of justice or whatever his exact moniker is. But I really like uh, Kofi and Woods with this gimmick running. It's not quite as good as King Booker, but it's up there on, on some of the best King work that I've seen. It's way better than King Corbin or yeah, King Sheamus. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was good. Uh, so then we saw Kevin Owens arriving backstage. Uh, the panel then spoke about Drew McIntyre versus Madcap. Uh, Moss, uh, Bobby Lashley, and MVP were shown arriving backstage. Uh, and then we went to ringside with Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. They were talking about the range situation yet again. Uh, they updated the card uh, with, with graphics this time. And then we got the one match of the kickoff show, which was Sheamus and Ridge Holland versus Ricochet and Cesaro. Yeah, I felt bad here because within the first, what, 10 seconds, 25 seconds of this match, Ridge Holland takes a shin directly to the face. What was happening was Cesaro was trying to flip Ricochet into like a 450 splash, and Ricochet basically stepped on Ridge Holland's face. No fault of Ricochet, really. It's just one of those things that happens in wrestling. No fault of anyone. It's just one of those things, you know. But, man, yeah, apparently Ridge Holland's face was destroyed. There was some blood on the mat there, and uh, that was the end of Ridge's night. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but what's interesting here is they kind of called it the ultimate audible. Um, I feel like the end of the match kind of stuck the same, but they did end up. It, so it was a two-on-one handicap match for a little bit. Uh, and then Sheamus takes Ricochet outside, does the white noise on the outside that takes out Ricochet. And it ended up turning, essentially turning into a one-on-one -on -one match with Sheamus and Cesaro. Yes, and uh, it went pretty quick. Sheamus and Cesaro always have great chemistry, but we've seen them have uh, far better exchanges than this. It was kind of basic to the point. Sheamus pins Cesaro with the brogue kick in what was it, 9 minutes and 43 seconds in this one. So, yeah, all things considered, looking at these names, it was probably one of the worst Ricochet, Cesaro, or Sheamus matches you'll ever see. It wasn't that great, but, again, no fault of their own. They kind of had a monkey wrench immediately thrown into this one. Exactly, and, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, they were able to call the audible and kind of get through it, um, and the broadcasting, the story that they were really going with after the Ridge Holland injury was that, um, you know, that, that Sheamus was able to pull out the win because he took out Ricochet with the white noise, um, and yeah, so that, so that was essentially the match, like you said, it was average as average can be, Matt, how would you rate this match? Yeah, you said it right there, buddy. We're going to go two and a half beasts out of five. It's 50%. It's right on that Mendoza line or the Madcap Moss line, Boris. Right Love on it. that average line. Exactly, because here, Matt and I... Uh, we did the SmackDown review last week, and we, you know we've been trying to find a moniker for the Mendoza line, which is the most average of average of matches. And uh, you know Matt came up with the Madcap Moss line. But uh, we might need to change it because, uh, you know, so he had a <laughs> above uh, Madcap Moss line performance, but that'll come soon. All right. After the match, Big E was shown walking through the backstage area with his title belt over his shoulder. Uh, the panel spoke about the new main event. JBL made a strong effort to sell the match. The panel ran through the rest of the pay-per-view. Uh, then we get a video package highlighting the WWE Championship match. Um, and then the panel spoke about the main event to close out the pre-show.
I love that JBL still getting them checks. You know, I respect the hustle, John Bradshaw Layfield. Yeah, this was this was a, a perfectly fine pre-show. I would have liked to have seen the the match in a different universe. Like, let's see a match where they can actually do what they plan to do and not immediately have to go to rest holds and figure out some new things on the fly because Ridge Holland got his face destroyed. Yep, exactly. So, you know, that's the unfortunate part, but these things happen. And what a start to that night, right? Like Roman Reigns out. Uh, Ridge Holland face smashed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Shinsuke and Sammy out. Although we didn't know that. If you were paying attention, they stopped advertising it at some point and it was off the Wikipedia page as well. So I, maybe there was word that I just missed. But uh, yeah, a, a cursed show it was feeling like at this point, Boris. No, 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 no. Not a show. Not a pay per view. A premium live event, Matt. <laughs> Yes, how silly of me. A cursed premium live event, Boris, of course. WWE. WWE marketing. Gotta love it. Premium live event. I was waiting for the day for them to change the name of pay-per-views. And I can't believe of all of the things. They landed on premium live event. So now there are like, so there's like a house show quality match. There's like indie level. There's like house show level. There's TV level. And now instead of like a pay-per-view, like you say, that was a pay-per-view quality match. You'd have to say that was a premium live event quality match, Boris. This is where we're at. Or a PLE, a play. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, I guess AEW still charges for some of their shows. Keeping the pay-per-view carny spirit alive. So this leads us into the main card. We get a video package including Migos and various WWE wrestlers. Michael Cole and Pat McAfee welcome viewers to WWE's first premium live event of 2022. They address the news yet again of Roman Reigns being pulled from the show due to testing positive for COVID-19 and Brock Lesnar being added to the WWE Championship match. And then we jump straight into action as the first match of the night was Jimmy Uso and Jay Uso, the Usos, the Uses, um, versus Kofi Kingston and King Woods for the SmackDown tag titles. The Usai? Yeah, I've all been Boris. Premium live event is going to become the new WWE universe, isn't it? We're going I'm already sick of it. Don't get me wrong. But this we're going to be completely sick of it before even WrestleMania hits, aren't we? Oh, because you, you know they're going to, like, start saying it every 10 seconds. You know, our next premium live event. The next premium live event. The <laughs> next premium live event. It's going to become, like, pointing at WrestleMania season. I can absolutely hear it. It's already ringing in my ears, and I dislike it greatly. But uh, this opening match... Looking back on the show, Boris, I think this was the best match on the entire card. I, I actually thought this was really strong. Can't go wrong with the Usos versus the New Day. Yeah, so, you know, I, I really like this match because I like the slow pace that the Usos are really trying to go in, right? And the announcers were really trying to work over the fact that, you know, this is what the Usos want. You know, they want to slow the match down and, you know, work their rate as opposed to trying to match the speed and the intenseness of the New Day. So I really like that aspect of the match. Um, you know, some may say that the match started a little slow, but by the end, it was really able to pick up um you know the crowd was super into this match they were chanting this is awesome early on uh when the match was not awesome but it did end up being awesome um but yeah you know this was a pretty good match in the grand scheme of things um so at one point xavier wood sent jimmy to ringside tried to dive onto him but jimmy caught him with a super kick uh jimmy tagged in and then the usos hit a 3d on kingston uh, then Jimmy scored the pin, so your winners were the Usos in 17 minutes and 5 seconds. Yes, the Dudley Death Drop, the 3D, and the uh, Usos retain their SmackDown Tag Team titles. Again, I thought this was the match of the show, the best thing on the card. I would go as high as 3 and 3 quarter beasts, Boris, 75%. It's a uh, solid B-plus here in Canada for this one. We've seen the Usos in the New Day have better matches but this was still a very very good wrestling match exactly and you know 17 minutes five seconds um you know do you think this match went a little too long no i think it's a you know a proper tag team opener especially on on this card where there was kind of 
like slapdash throwing things together. You knew that some matches were going to get a little more time than they needed. Maybe I thought this was, this was like the perfect length for this specific match. I didn't think it went too long at all. Yeah. All right. So the, uh, after this, we get a video package recapping big E winning the money in the bank contract and then cashing in successfully on Bobby Lashley. Uh, big E was interviewed by Kevin Patrick in the back. Patrick asked him about Brock Lesnar joining the match. Big E said he didn't have this on his bingo card. Big E mentioned all of all of his five-way opponents uh, and said you could line them up and he will knock them all down. He said he would find a way to retain his championship. Awesome promo here by Big E. I really like him on the microphone. Pour one out for young Big E. I feel bad about how this night shook down. I don't think it's the end of his career by any means. I don't think it's time for him to leave and retire or anything. I think he'll be fine. It's clear WWE is behind him and trusts him. But, man, man, this Brock Lesnar, boy, he's just got it out for the New Day, doesn't he? Apparently. Apparently he does. But we'll talk about that at the end of the match or at the end of the show just because there is a point that I do want to make. So let's put a pin on that. Uh, Kayla Braxton spoke with Migos on the backstage ring set and noted that they are from Atlanta. They said they are longtime WWE fans who have been watching since they were kids. McAfee thanked Migos for supplying the official day one theme song. Uh, this leads us into Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss making their entrance. Uh, they did their uh, dad jokes and comedy bits uh drew mcintyre's entrance spared the world from listening to more of the dad jokes lots and lots of dad jokes on this show uh man so i think boris we might have been a little a little quick to judge madcap moss might have been a little harsh on him is madcap moss becoming a good wrestler here before his eye before our eyes did he just have a really good night or is he like is he really improving what's going on here you know, here's the thing, right? He got called up from NXT. Some could, some would say he just wasn't ready. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing that practice makes perfect, right? Like, who knows? Here's the thing. He's improving. Uh, this seems to be the MO for WWE now, which is throwing them in the lion's den, you know, trial by fire. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Matt Cat Moss is improving. Maybe they've run through this match at house shows throughout the past few weeks, right? We don't know the situation. Yeah. But... It was a great, uh, great isn't the word, good. It was a good <laughs> showing <laughs> um, yes. from Madcap Moss. And uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, this match was nice, short, sweet, nine minutes, 45 seconds. Um, you know, uh, Drew McIntyre won with the Claymore uh, and then he got the cover. So it was a pretty simple, basic match, but it was good in its length of 945. Yeah, and, like, there were a couple moments here that really stood out for Madcap Moss. I mean, he took a turnbuckle where he, like, basically body-checked the second turnbuckle. It was, I've never seen someone take a buckle like this, and there's a good reason for it. He kind of Darby Allen himself on the middle turnbuckle. It was it was pretty insane. I don't recommend doing that. He very, very easily could have hurt himself. There's also a spot that I like. I've never seen him do this before, although I'm sure he's got it in his repertoire, where he caught... Drew McIntyre out of a cross body and hit like an Oklahoma stampede in the corner and then turned it into a fall away slam. Now it was sloppier than all hell. He almost lost Drew McIntyre, but just the fact that he did pull that off is pretty impressive. So again, Madcap Moss, tip of the cap to you, buddy. Definitely the highest profile match of mid Madcap Moss, Midcap Moss, his career. He is certainly Midcard Moss. And uh, you know what? He delivered here. He did deliver. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think he did in the grand scheme of things. Um, so hopefully this is just a sign of things to come. Hopefully he does continue improving. Um, but this was, again, just a perfect way to you know, continue his, his career trajectory. Now, you know, in the Facebook group, I was, I was monitoring it seeing some comments and a lot of people were complaining that this match isn't pay-per-view oh sorry it's not a pay-per-view this match isn't premium live event quality <laughs> and I, I mean like well that's like you said people have to develop man they're kind of throwing these uh wrestlers to the wolves and i did think it was premium live event quality i thought madcap moss stepped up to the plate and he hit a solid single a nice, solid single into left field. I'm not telling you it was a home run, but he got it through the defense, Boris. If we had to put a number on it, we're going to go three beasts out of five. Slightly above average. It's a 60% Minnesota Vikings percentage on this one. 
I love the fact that in our attempt to like not praise the guy, but you know, not not crap on him, uh, it surely sounds like we're crapping on him. <laughs> well, we're just being realistic. But I mean, like, I kind of thought Mad Cat Moss was uh, hopeless and terrible and uh, fucking brutal, bud, as they say. But he's not. He's not that bad. He's he's okay. This Mad Cat Moss. <laughs> Yep. All right. After the match, Kevin Owens was interviewed backstage by Sarah Schreiber. Owens wasn't happy about Brock Lesnar being added to the match, but he said he would get revenge for what Lesnar did to his soulmate, Sami Zayn. Owens said he would have had a new plan and then said he had to go with Seth Rollins. I love Kevin Owens so much. Uh, He's one of the few things that will keep me coming back to WWE. So I'm happy he got the Vince McMahon bag and he's sticking around on my television. Although I'm sad he couldn't fulfill his goal of winning the world title at day one. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it happens sometimes. Right. Uh, so then. OK. So again, uh, Peacock, Peacock, Peacock and their commercials. It just really takes the steam out of these pay-per-views man it just completely ruins the flow of the pay-per-view and it just really halts stuff down especially after a half decent match you just want to you know i just want to get to the next match but no let's have these lengthy video packages yeah they're highlighting wrestlers but they're so long and it just really takes the the air out of um you know the balloon it just just it just it just it's 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 really slows down the pace of these pay-per-views hundred percent. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of building in bathroom breaks. They're kind of training us to stop caring. So it, it, we're going to take that advice at some point and we're going to stop. Like we're going to end up missing things because we're going to be going to get our snacks or get our uh, pee on or whatever it might be, Boris. So yeah, I can definitely see them like this coming back to haunt them a little bit. Like they might start losing fans, like not losing fans, but fans getting up and going to the concession stand going to the bathroom and the live shows might even start being hurt by these uh incessant commercials and the pacing of the show so yeah i agree i get it it's a necessary evil but i hate it i dislike it strongly no good yep um all right this leads us into the third match of the night which was rk bro randy orton and riddle versus the street profits montez ford and angela dawkins for the raw titles uh jimmy smith Corey graves and byron saxton are calling this match migos actually accompanied rk bro to to the ring which seemed random to say the least but you know yeah it happened Kind of funny that they were with, uh, yeah, RK Bro and not the Street Profits. Also funny that everyone on the show was calling them the Migos, not Migos, but they yeah. were the Migos. Classic, like, Bret Hart, the WCW energy to that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what did you think of this match? I actually thought it was pretty good. I mean, the Street Profits are good. Montez Ford is absolutely a breathtaking athlete, and uh, I love Matt Riddle's work. And Boris, you know me. Unironically, unapologetically, I love Randy Orton's work. So, yeah, sign me up to this one, man. I would say that this was, you know, this was uh, one of the better matches on the show, for sure. It, exactly. Like, this match was just fine. But, again, it was it was just, you know, it was it was an average tag team match. There wasn't anything spectacular in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, it was essentially two-faced teams. Uh, the crowd surely got behind RK Bro a lot more, and um, yeah, it was just uh, it, it was an a, an okay match, nothing spectacular, but nothing bad. Just like you said, Montez Ford is an amazing athlete. His in ring stuff is just great too. He's hilarious. Uh, like that one spot where he kind of chopped uh, Randy Orton and kind of uh, started making fun of him, and then took the, uh, the the gouge to the eyes from Orton, and that you know that was just a little funny. Um, and I gotta say, Angela Dawkins is for sure improving in the ring because you know before I would I would see like a huge gap between Ford and Dawkins, but you know they're just a very good tag team. All four guys worked well. It was overall a good match that ended up you know again it was it was simple. So for, at one point Ford went for a splash, Orton avoided. Riddle returned to the ring, ended up popping Ford into the air. Then Orton hit the Ford with an RKO on the way down and pinned him. So RK Bro wins in 11 minutes and 15 seconds to retain the Raw Tag titles. 
Yes, I loved that finish too. And I felt like this match went the exact right length of time at 11.15. Did not overstay its welcome. Like a couple of these matches on the card, just in and out, perfectly amount of fun. And, uh, you know, Migos got to show up on camera a couple of times too. But yeah, that finish where Matt Riddle throws Montez Ford high, high up in the air. And then Randy Orton hits him on the way down with the RKO. Just mwah, chef's kiss. Really like this match. This is pretty solid. Yeah, uh, after the match, Migos enter the ring. They celebrated with RK Bro. The Prophets recovered, shook hands with Orton and Riddle, and then everyone kind of celebrated and exited the ring together. So, Matt, how would you, how many beasts incarnate would you give this match? Oh, I actually kind of hate that I just said Chef's Kiss. I kind of find that obnoxious. I, I apologize to the listeners and to me. Uh, we're going to go three and a half beasts on this one, Boris. It's a 70% Minnesota Golden Gopher percentage on this one. Solid B in Canada. Yep. All right. Backstage, Drew McIntyre was searching for the locker room uh, when Schreiber showed up, asked him, uh, you know, if Happy Corbin is up next for him. McIntyre said Moss is one tough son of a bitch. He started to talk about Corbin when Corbin and Moss showed up attacking him. McIntyre held his own briefly, but Corbin ended up working him over with a chair. Moss put the chair around McIntyre's head and then Corbin picked up some piece of equipment, slammed, slammed it into McIntyre. Adam Pierce and WWE referees ran off um, the heels and checked on a choking McIntyre. So, Matt, is this an injury angle? Is he going to miss some time? What's going on? Why did they do this? What did you think? Well, this feud must continue. A, we're going to get, I hope not, Drew McIntyre versus Corbin at WrestleMania. That would be kind of lame. Maybe Drew McIntyre will find a partner from NXT and face Corbin and Moss at WrestleMania. We'll see. But this is done to extend the feud. Um, I do think they're probably going to write Drew McIntyre off for a couple weeks just because it was pretty severe. Like, he pilmanized the guy's neck with, like, a piece of equipment and a chair. I don't know. Like, they could have done... He could have just hit him with a pipe or something in the leg if they just wanted to knock him out. They could have done a less severe injury angle if they just wanted to put him down for a second. You know what I mean? So the fact that they did something kind of serious makes me think they are writing Drew off for maybe a couple weeks to a month-ish. I'm assuming that he'll be back at the Royal Rumble. It's about fair. That's probably... Maybe he's off TV until the Royal Rumble and makes like a a low-key dramatic return at the actual Rumble show. Yep, so that the fans can go mild. Yeah, I like it. I like where your head's at, buddy. Makes a lot of sense. All right, Kayla Braxton knocked on Brock Lesnar's dressing room door. Lesnar actually answered the door. She asked him about being added to the WWE Championship match. Lesnar said he can do whatever he wants to do, and he's a free agent, all thanks to his advocate, Paul Heyman. Lesnar said he would win the WWE Championship and then called out a spoiler while winking into the camera, kind of alluding to past promos that Paul Heyman would would, uh, would say. Yeah, this was Brock Lesnar doing a Paul Heyman promo, and it was it was really fun. This was the one that we mentioned before when we said a couple people had pointed out this might have been the best promo Brock has ever cut in WWE because he was just doing Paul Heyman's promo. So that stands to reason. I, I like this a lot. Made me smile. Yep, exactly. Uh, we get a video package recapping the Edge and Miz feud, and then this leads us into the match. Uh, Edge was raised from under the stage with the Brood theme playing, uh, so that was a nice little surprise that they seem to be doing here and there. You know, it's kind of to signify the intensity of Edge, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so the next match was Edge versus the Miz with Maryse. Yeah, it wasn't the first time they've done this exact gimmick where Edge dumps black goo on his opponent and then does the brood entrance a couple weeks later. But, uh, you know, it's fine. Who's not a sucker for that brood song? Of course, uh, who doesn't love that? Who watched wrestling from 1999 to 2000? Uh, Anyway, I thought this match was a little disappointing. It was kind of the opposite of the awesome Usos versus New Day tag team match, where this one started really hot and then went way too long. And the longer it went, the less I was into it. 20 minutes. This match lasted 20 minutes. I think it was about, you know, 
probably five minutes too long, maybe even seven minutes too long. Uh, and, and, you know, by the end of the match, I don't know about you, but I started noticing that Edge was uh, getting a little slow. Like, even they did the good old catapult to the top rope. And it took oh, Edge, yeah. you know, like Edge was struggling at times in this match. Yeah, I sometimes I watch these shows with like my roommate who will be in and out and he's like a casual wrestling fan. He's seen it here and there. Mostly just watches when I watch and he laughed out loud at the catapult. That's it's the fakest looking move in wrestling anyway, but when it's done in slow motion like it was here, it really stands out. And like they, this was like a fine match. It was better on paper, I think, than it actually ended up being. Uh it would have been a lot better in, in these guys' prime, but what, Miz is 40 and Edge is 50, 48 now? So, man, like, you know what I mean? It was what it was. It was a couple old guys going in there having a WWE-style match. Nothing really wrong with it, but too long and a classic cliche ending that we've seen a million times. Exactly. So Edge goes for a spear. Miz leaped over him. Edge crashes into the corner. Murray's hits Edge with her purse. Miz hit the skull-crushing finale for a good near fall. Uh, Murray's climbed onto the apron and barked at the referee. And this is when Beth Phoenix comes out, stands at the stage, distracts everyone, is waiting there, looks, dare I say, brooding. By God, by God Almighty! Thank you. Um, and then all of a sudden, her theme <laughs> plays, and she walks and 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 chases Marie's away. Like it just—it's like it—it it just kind of took the steam out of it. Like it was kind of weird. It was so and, funny. Yeah, yeah. Beth Phoenix waiting a beat, two beats, three beats, four beats, and then they were like, "Oh, oh, where's her theme? Where's her theme?" It's like they were flipping through a back catalog of CDs or something. Like they had one of those old books of CDs that you used to see in cars, Boris. They're just looking; they couldn't find Beth Phoenix's theme, and then they finally got it in there. So that that added another what twenty seconds to this match that it didn't need. Exactly. And then, you know, the Miz was so distracted, he forgot he was in the middle of a match. He turns around, ate a spear, <laughs> and then Edge gets the three counts. So Edge defeated the Miz in 20 minutes. Yes, 20 minutes and three seconds on my timer anyway. And yeah, yeah, just like you said, Miz just plum forgets he's in a wrestling match. Happens a lot in WWE. I felt this was average wwe fair there was a really good match in here somewhere but i don't think these guys quite found it we're gonna go two and a half beasts out of five a 50 percent ufc championship percentage boris it's right on that mad cat moss line yeah and i have to say i am not looking forward to this feud continuing i am morbidly curious to see a mixed tag team match between these four uh, combatants. I'd like to see Beth Phoenix. Anytime Maurice is on my TV screen, I am not complaining, Boris. But um, every step of the way getting there, I don't want to see. I'll watch it when it happens, probably at WrestleMania. I don't want to see a single moment of it until then. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I still can't help but just just, just feel completely cheated because you know this was supposed to be Johnny Wrestling and Frankie Monet. Oh, man, yeah, Johnny Mundo and Frankie Mundo versus Miz and Maurice. I kind of want that more. Feels like a waste of Edge, but at least Beth Phoenix is going to get in that ring. Edge will be kept safe with Miz. He's not going to get hurt by the Miz. Like, it's okay. It's fine. But, man, I would much rather see Frankie Monet and Johnny Mundo. And I'm, I'm kind of starting to wonder if... Not not mistake is not the right word, but do you think Edge is maybe thinking he made a mistake and not signing with AEW? Do you think he somewhat regrets sticking around in WWE to wrestle The Miz at WrestleMania? I think uh, when he checks his bank account, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> Excellently put, buddy. I, I would tend to agree with you. <laughs> you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's like I'm sure that he's getting quite the penny to stick in WWE. But, you know, you bring up a great point because it's like the matches that we're getting with Edge. Like, it, it's crazy to think that his program with Seth Rollins was probably the best thing he's done um, here and there. Right. Like, but like, like it's it's the Miz, the Miz, the Miz. Yeah, exactly right, man. I'm not ready to close the book on Edge at all here. 
And you know what I mean? It's it's a pretty good idea for for an older guy to cash an easy paycheck and work a WrestleMania program with the Miz. Like it's totally fine. But I, I'm starting to wonder, uh, maybe even worry that like the the Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match might be the last great, truly great Edge match. We'll see. He's still bringing it. He's still doing his thing. But he's starting to starting to show his age a little bit. But Boris, aren't we all? It's no fault of to Edge. You know what I mean? He's had an incredible career. Probably a wrestling Hall of Famer in anyone's book. So, a uh, pretty average match tonight, though. Right, exactly. Uh, Kevin Patrick told Bobby Lashley that his chances of winning the WWE Championship took a hit due to the addition of Brock Lesnar to the match. Love that Steiner math. Uh, MVP cut off Patrick and said <laughs> that the other entrants are trembling with fear over Lesnar, but that's not the case with Lashley. The segment closed with Lashley saying it's a new year. And there will be a new WWE champion. I believe it's known as breaker math now, Boris. <laughs> With two Ks. <laughs> yes, very good. Yeah. Um, this is good. I like this promo. Uh, MVP is great. Um, and, you know, this promo got me excited for the possibility of Lashley versus Lesnar at some point. Kind of seems like... You know, it seems to me like we're going to save Roman versus Brock for WrestleMania. And then that Brock versus Lashley might be the big program after. So a little seed planted for perhaps summer or somewhere down the line. I agree with you. And yeah, it's a strong promo here from MVP. He's a good talker. Yeah, we get a video package setting up the Raw Women's Championship match. This leads us into Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan for the Raw Women's Championship I quite enjoyed this one. If I was given like uh, the podium, I think this would probably be my bronze medal match of the night. Like there are two matches better, but it was solid. You know, third best match of the night. Very strong performance by Liv Morgan here. This one went a touch too long too, though as well. I would I would have been okay with cutting two or three minutes out of this and tacking it onto the main event. But you know, minor complaint. Good showing from Becky. Uh, always always brings it. And Liv Morgan really really impressed me here. Exactly. I think this was Liv Morgan's best performance, uh, period. I, she, did, she did really good. Uh, I saw some people on the Facebook chat kind of giving her some flack and saying, you know, she's still not good. But honestly, she's improved so much over the past few months. Uh, and, and, and giving Liv Morgan the opportunity for this match is, is only a good thing because, you know, people love to complain that WWE only pushes the four horsewomen of wrestling of the WWE and, you know, they don't build up new stars and, you know, this is at least a opportunity for Liv Morgan for the possibility of creating new stars. Exactly. I mean, you gotta, you gotta at some point sink or swim. So I think, I think she did a really fine job here. She's not Kenny Omega in the ring, but you know what? She did. Okay. What's what, what more did you expect? What more could you really want from Liv Morgan? You know, like no offense to her, but this, she did fine. She did very well. Exactly. Uh, you know, this match, I kind of the story that they were kind of going with was Becky Lynch was a little cocky to start the match, but Liv Morgan kind of took the advantage right away and it got into Becky's head. And then Becky took this match serious and it essentially resulted in trying to cheat for the win uh, because I do think that the end of this match was minor blah. Botched. Um, so what ended up happening was uh, Liv Morgan went for her oblivion finisher, uh, but Lynch countered into a manhandle slam and kind of got a clean pin. But you can tell that Becky was like kind of inching her feet to the ropes, trying to recreate that finish from Raw from a few weeks ago. So I think, I think that Becky Lynch was supposed to do a repeat of that finish and kind of hook the ropes with her feet uh, for the win. Yeah, I definitely agree with your assessment there, buddy. Certainly seemed like she was trying to put her feet on the ropes to do the classic Ric Flair-style heel pin with leverage, but uh, didn't quite get there, unfortunately. Kind of, it kind of sucks for Liv Morgan because she was beaten clean in the end, but, you know, whatever. She lost to the champion in the middle of the ring. No shame in that. Uh, I did actually like the finish where Liv went for her Oblivion, which is like a rope-hung flatliner, and Becky Lynch 
countered that into the manhandle slam, which, of course, is her version of the rock bottom for the win. So it went a little long, but uh, at the same time, it was it was a very enjoyable wrestling match. Quite possibly the best of Liv Morgan's career. We're going to go three and a half beasts out of five on this one, Boris. It's a 70%. And uh, the bronze medal match of the show. Solid, solid effort, ladies. Yep. Yep, 17 minutes it went. So, yeah, maybe it was a little too long. But, you know, again, I was entertained. And it to me, it didn't feel like 17 minutes at the end of the day. Uh, so, you know, backstage, Seth Rollins was interviewed by Kevin Patrick. Uh, Rollins recalled that he was originally the only challenger for Big E before others were added. Uh, Rollins got fired up and said he would stomp heads and win. Uh, the Raw broadcast team recapped the kickoff show tag match including the injury to Rage Holland. Uh, and then a my WTF moment of the night, they introduced a video from Johnny Knoxville, um, and he announced that he will be in the Royal Rumble match later on this month. And the first man in the Royal Rumble 222 this year, Boris, is not a wrestler, but it's the star of Jackass and Men in Black 2. Johnny Knoxville, Johnny Knoxville before any professional wrestler is declaring himself for the Royal Rumble. What a time to be alive, buddy. Yeah, this is David Arquette levels of what the what the F (laughs) star of the ringer, Johnny Knoxville, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep, he is the first person to declare into the Royal (laughs) Rumble. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville wonder, is in the Royal Rumble before, before even even someone like a Drew McIntyre, some before a Ricochet, before a Rimmis. You know what? You know what? You know what? The, you know what's gonna get to me? And now, now I'm actually angry <laughs> thinking about this more. He is taking the spot of someone who deserves it, like a Ricochet. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, we'll see if he's taking Ricochet's spot. But you're completely right about that. It doesn't anger me yet. Because they always have guests. They always have like a Hurricane or a Kevin Nash or something. I don't know if this is going to be better or worse than Hurricane coming in and pretending to choke slam someone and then get throwing it out for like the, you know, seventh time or whatever it is. So we'll see. I, I'm willing to reserve judgment on this. But uh, also, I, you're not you're probably not wrong. It's probably going to be uh, embarrassing and hilarious. <laughs> this is just like, is it not... I, I know it's Jackass is coming back and it's his last hurrah and whatever, but is it not 20 years too late on this? Like, where was this in 2002? Yeah, that's the worst part. It's like, again, you know, WWE strikes with being so far behind the times. It's just incredible. And yeah, there's a new movie coming out, but come on, you couldn't do better. Uh, oh my God, we had the egg for Survivor Series. We have Johnny Knoxville for Royal Rumble. What is this company doing? <laughs> We had zombies not too long ago as well, Boris. Oh man, let's just let's just be thankful we didn't have Paul White as the New Year's baby on this one. True. Oh my God. True enough. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> uh, we get a video package setting up the main event. Entrances for uh, all uh, five guys take place. Notable to me was that Big E came out fourth, leaving the big. Hoopla for Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So this was a pretty telling sign. You've seen the WWE champion come out like first. And even that's like a little weird. But to come out fourth out of five to come out just in the middle. Ha. That was very strange. So it's pretty clear that they were showing you Brock Lesnar is the star on this evening. But man, you know, no insult to Big E's title reign. It it was it was sad that it wrapped up like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it makes you kind of wonder what the original plans were for both this match and the and the uh, Roman Reigns Lesnar match, right? Like, who knows where we got? Like, is this just WWE uh, trying to change things up because they had to change the script? Uh, yes. I don't know. I, I you can't you know make hide nor hair of Vince McMahon's crazy thoughts, Boris. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I I just I, I felt bad for Biggie all night, especially as soon as you saw him coming out fourth. That was the that was the moment when you knew Brock Lesnar still had to come out, but Biggie was coming out. It was like, uh oh, wait a minute now. This is just this feels wrong. This feels like we're in uncharted territory. 
Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of uncharted territory, this match was insane. This was all finishers. This was basically a video game match here for eight minutes. It was pretty much just all finishers and weapons and crazy hoopla. Yeah, it went eight minutes, 25 seconds, and the and it, it, like right away, Lesnar, you know, starts dishing out uh, the pain, as he's known for. Um, and then, you know, everyone went, uh, kind of had their moment. Uh, you had Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens teaming up. Uh, you know, they kind of took everyone out, uh, and then they got taken out, and then uh, Big E put Lashley was it Lashley that he put through a table yes it was Lashley that he put through a table um and like you said it was kind of just then it was just like a bunch of finishers and and fake finishes and and close pins to end the show yeah absolutely yeah so just yeah the finisher parade Owens hits the pop-up powerbomb on Biggie Owens goes for a swanton Biggie gets his knees up and then comes F5 uh, plenty. I think Lesnar hits Rollins with an F5, hits KO with an F5. Big E grabs, uh, he grabs Big E for the F5. Lashley comes, spears Brock. That was a very, that was a fun near fall. And then we get the Hurt Locker. Uh, <laughs> sorry, the Hurt Lock. Uh, man, I always do that. Bobby Lashley gets the Hurt Lock on Lesnar. Lesnar's actually stuck in the lock, and he's he's having trouble breaking free until Biggie Langston makes the save there. Classic Biggie move, trying to pin Lesnar. Unfortunately, Lesnar catches him in the F5. And buddy, Brock Lesnar pins Big E Langston one, two, three in the middle of the ring with one F5 to win the WWE title to close out day one. Yeah, like not only did Big E come out fourth and was basically uh, you know, projected to the audience that he is not the star of this match, but he ate the pin. I found that to be the most telling part of this match. Especially because Rollins and Owens were so clearly slotted as like the weakest quote-unquote in the match they were telling the story that they were like the heels the smarmy guys who were teaming up and trying to divide and conquer so one of them could have easily taken the pin after they turned on each other you know what i mean i think that would be that that would be kind of the cliche way to do it but that would be the better way to do it and you keep some heat on biggie because he does he is losing his wwe title here so the fact that Brock had to pin Big E, I think that's going to turn off more fans than it, than it helps. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I, I think that that's going to hurt their programming, their long-term storytelling more than it helps. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, look at even on our Facebook group. Like, there seems to be some uh, vocal people about the end of this match in particular. Um, <laughs> this is a warning to everyone. I'm, 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 I'm watching. I'm moderating that thread, people. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it just, it just like I think the the end is 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 was curious in the sense that, like you said, I think it will hurt WWE a little more in the with their long term storytelling because now what? Right now, what are they actually going to follow up with Big E or is this going to be just like a Kofi Kingston? I lost my title and that's it. Yeah, man. And we've seen yeah, there was absolutely no follow up with Kofi and he's kind of just become a, a mid carder and he's not really that title run is more of an afterthought. It's more of an oh, hey, remember when than something that actually elevated Kofi at all. So, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen again for Big E. Time will tell. This match itself was pretty good. I'd probably say it was the silver medal match of the show. The only match that was better than this one was that tag team match that kicked off the proper pay-per-view. Still a very good match. I wanted to go longer than it did, and the ending was confusing and out of nowhere. Disappointing for a number of reasons. We're going to go three and a half beasts out of five. It's a 70% Maryfield Saskatchewan percentage, Boris. Yep, exactly. Uh, so that is the show. That is day one. Like we said, it was a very meh pay-per-view at best. I don't know how else to put it aside from saying meh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like a solid six and a half, you know, kind of out of ten kind of show. Like it was, it was there, it came and went. And what we will take away from it is that Brock Lesnar is still the cash cow. When Roman Reigns can't be cashed in on, Brock Lesnar will become said cash cow yeah exactly 
Um, it's just to me, it, it's funny though that like when you take a look at the WWE, the state of the women's division, you know, it's Becky or Charlotte. They keep sharing the belt within each other. Uh, they might lose a match here and there to someone, but it's typically Becky and Charlotte who are just, you know, um, running wild with those titles. And then you take a look at the men's side, and right now it seems to be Lesnar and Roman Reigns, right? Like it's those four people who really seem to be controlling. Uh, the majority of time with belts and being the focus of everything WWE. Yeah, Vince McMahon will get fixated and he'll he'll you know hone in on one or two or four performers and kind of shove them down our throats. And it's been like that for the last little bit. And it looks like more Brock Lesnar time for the WWE faithful. Yep. All right, Matt, let us go to some comments, some feedback from people on the Facebook group. Uh, so, you know, if you want a comment uh, read, typically we have a, a, a thread of this show. Go to the Facebook group, SNME Radio. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get you in there and you can take part in the chat because sometimes the, the chat, the jokes are better than the show itself. Absolutely, yeah. There's some really good comments. We're gonna start with Gregory Gregory Liverpool, who commented, "We need an after party to flush some stuff out." Now, I imagine he meant flush some stuff out, but uh, we were flushing a couple things on this show as well, Boris. And uh, this isn't a traditional after party. Again, we'll be back with the proper YouTube after parties starting again in the Royal Rumble. Yep. Uh, Tommy Lang said, "I'm finally getting around to last night's Rampage, and it's already more satisfying than tonight's pay per view." I, I agree with that. I'd say that's pretty fair. That uh, street fight and the Cody Rhodes match was actually pretty dope as well. So, yeah, shout out to last night's Rampage. Uh, Mike Leochi said, wasn't expecting Beth to return till next month, but they messed it up tonight. Delayed reaction by Miz was bad. Liv having her best match to date. Yeah, there you go. I, I would agree with that. I definitely think it was Liv's best match to date. And I do think the uh, the delayed, awkward reaction there for Beth Phoenix hurt that a lot. It did. It really did. Uh, Rob Gableman. This was this is a funny one. Ah, just like the good old days when the brood used to drop black viscous fluid on opponents. That's so funny. Yeah. The uh, brood bath doesn't quite have the same impact as the blood bath, Boris. Yep, Blaine said, I think it's safe to say that day one will not be remembered on day three, 365, probably not even day 30. <laughs> Again, that's probably fair. Not a terrible show, but I'm not taking this one to the grave. I'm not going to be bouncing my grandkids on my knee, telling them about WWE day one, two, 2022, Boris. Uh, here's a good one. Douglas Stanford Grandy says, I didn't actually mind the show. Six or seven out of ten. You know, nice, solid, realistic, semi-positive feedback from Mr. Stanford Grandy there. Yep. And then Mark Andrada, the Mark Andrada, he says, say what you will about the pay-per-view, but it's nice watching wrestling with you all. Happy New Year. Oh, thanks, Mark. And you know what? I agree. We have a good team here at SNME Radio. We can pop off a little bit in some threads from time to time. But you know what? I think we're all here to celebrate wrestling. We're all here to enjoy it. And uh, we're, we got a lot more coming in 2022, buddy. So don't you dare miss it. Exactly. And, you know, I think now that the holidays are over, we are getting back to our regular regularly scheduled program so if you're listening to this before sunday sunday afternoon it is the worst of 2021 everyone's favorite show it was so much fun to record with the guys um and this show is uh, full of laughs and brouhaha's and bruise um then on tuesday Aha. we will go back and mark uh andrada and jason agnor are back with the midweek market or tuesday morning cooked on Wednesday, Matt and I are coming right back at you. We're going to be talking all things NXT, New Year's Evil on NXT Talk. Then on Thursday, it's back to regular BAMs. We're going to be talking all things sports, all things wrestling, all things entertainment. On Friday, you have the old fucks uh, with All Elite Weekly chatting all things AEW Dynamite. And this leads us into the double dose Saturday with 
the dark side of the elite gents talking all things rampage in their rampage rollout and then you have the east coast dads the smack daddies bad jokes bad dad jokes and all chatting all things smackdown Yes, sir. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm excited to check out the uh, Rampage rollout number seven because it was a very good episode of Rampage. Can't wait to see what the fellas thought about that. And yeah, good things coming all week next week. On BAM, we're talking Wrestle Kingdom Nights 1 and 2, so we got more wrestling to watch this week, big homie. I will not be watching Raw or SmackDown, thankfully. <laughs> I was literally about to say that. Um, but like I mentioned at the top of the show, the after parties will be back for the Royal Rumble. That's Saturday, January the 29th. The after party for it to, to take part in the chat, to have your comments read, and to take part and, and get zoomed up into the call. You have to be a Patreon. So to sign up, go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. If you are a patron, make sure that you, you got your payments in. Um, and uh, you'll be able to take part in the uh, after party for the Royal Rumble and get at least one wrestling show a day, all for $1 a week, USD. All right, Matt, I'm tired. It's been a long week. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's been a long week already. It's been a long weekend, I should say. Um, this is the most Sunday-feeling Saturday I've, I think I've ever had in my life. Right? This definitely feels like I'm actually like, I keep looking at the calendar and looking at the clock and thinking, oh my God, do I work in five hours? But I don't. We're safe. It's okay, buddy. But yeah, man, thank you very much to anyone who's listened. Thank you very much, homie, for being a good podcast partner over the last 365 days. And here's to 3,000 more. At least 3,000 more. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.